Well, baseball season's not over quite yet. Baseball and softball. Uh, welcome to the fadeaway with Deion Thomas and Eric Schmidt. Today, we are venturing into the circle. That would be the softball pitching circle. We are thrilled to be able to visit with Monica Abbott today. Monica is one of the most decorated athletes ever in women's softball. So let's see. We're going to start in college at the University of Tennessee. Monica is the NCAA record holder in career wins, strikeouts, shutouts. She threw 23 no-hitters in six perfect games in college. Four-time All-American, four-time first-team All-SEC. We go to pro career for Monica, five-time national pro fast pitch champ, four-time Japan Softball League champ. I haven't had a chance to fact check all of these, Monica. I hope I, I'm yeah. sure I can't count that. I don't even know. I have to take my shoes off to count that high. Uh, numerous league MVP awards, pitcher of the year recognitions, no hitters, a couple of perfect games. Moving along, the first female athlete in the United States to sign a million dollar contract. We're going to come back to that. And on the national stage, is a member of Team USA, a four time USA World Cup champ, Pan American gold medalist, two time world champion gold medalist, and a silver medal in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And that's kind of where we want to start. USA Softball just had a thrilling extra inning victory over Japan to defend its world championship. And with this win, qualified for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And this is noteworthy for those that don't know because softball has not been in the Olympics since 2008. It is back now. Monica, you were on that 2008 team and you're going to wind up waiting 12 years to get back. How long of a road has it for you guys to finally get back to this? Well, hello. Um, just thanks for having me, first off. But man, 12 years, when you say it like that, wow. Um, it has felt at least that long. I mean, it's felt like centuries, which apparently it's been, but um, just, yeah, a, just, just a decade. decade. <laughs> yeah, just a decade, right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're right, a decade. But it's been a decade, I mean, since softball's been in the Olympics and, um, you know, it's gone. Wow. Like that's a long time. Like why? And then the first immediate question is like, why has it been so long? You know, yeah. we all die, but well, and you, you know, I'm going to, I'll make you feel old again. You were the youngest player on that 08 team. Now you're the veteran. How's that yeah. transition been? How have you embraced that switch? And obviously you've been playing since then. It's not like you're, you're going 12 years between playing with these teammates. But, you know, it's, it's a switch. Now you're the one that's coming in saying, this is what the Olympics are like. This is what it's like to play at this level. How have you embraced that? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I was the youngest in 2008. And, you know, we, we didn't win gold. We got a silver medal. We lost in that final. And that's a game that I think, like, has stuck with a everyone on that team on that 2008 Olympic team and everyone in the USA softball program. Um, and then being able to compete for the, you know, the past 10, 10 years and soon to be 12, um, both overseas and in the United States has really like allowed, I don't know, allowed a lot of growth for our sport and a lot of growth personally, but now trying to, transfer that Olympic experience plus just the experience of being a pro, um, being a professional, um, what it takes both on and off the field, whereas not just being the college athlete that was good and going into the Olympic Games, um, balancing that professional lifestyle and what it actually takes, you know, both physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, prep-wise to be able to have a chance to compete in 2020 and compete for a gold medal there. 
you know, for those, uh, you know, because we have some listeners, we, we normally cover basketball and, and sports mm-hmm. and things like that. So I'm hoping some of our listeners will continue to follow uh, not just you, but the sport of, of softball, because it's changed a lot over over the, you know, since its inception, I guess. And it's 6'3". No, mm-hmm. never, never any thoughts about about basketball. You know, being a former player myself. <laughs> yeah, no, you know that's a good question. Um, you know, I played softball at a young age, but I was big. I played, I dabbled in a little bit of volleyball, um, but just wasn't really for me. And I did play basketball. I played it competitively. And small time fact, I did get recruited in college to play basketball at some smaller schools and. Um, some smaller D1s and D2 schools to play basketball. But, um, you know, softball and pitching was definitely my first love. Um, basketball came second. But I do have, like, a soft spot for basketball for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you, you, it might not have been so easy to walk on at Tennessee with Pat Summit and uh, some of those teams oh, as yeah. well. I think you're, you've made yeah. the right decision. Yeah, when, um, when I went on my recruiting visit there, I went and got to meet Pat Summit and stuff and um, – she was like, you should come and play basketball too. Why not? Right. <laughs> Why not walk on whatever? And then there was this brief moment we talked about, like you get your college eligibility, but you you could play a fifth year mm-hmm. um, in another sport. So I have thought about playing my fifth year as a basketball player <laughs> just briefly. But then this little thing called the Olympics came along and ah. <laughs> that's all she wrote. <laughs> no, that thing can't get in the way. I mean, you, Eric just ran through your, your resume. You, I mean, you were, you were pretty good. You were a pretty good player. No, but I mean, it's <laughs> such a great athlete to have accomplished as much as you have. And now that you see the growth of the sport and where it's going, um, can you talk a little bit about that? And then, I mean, it led up to you receiving the contract that you did. Yeah. You know, I think, one thing's for sure is that because of just women's sports not starting at a later age in like in the history of sports, um, you know, softball has continued to grow with the publicity um, from when I was in college with TV um, in the World Series. But now we're watching the women's college, the collegiate women's college World Series and having like you know, 30,000 people there and then having to build a new stadium with an upper deck um, to where we are now with that and so much support and people watching this, watching and being excited about it and that transferring over to the professional level. Um, And then so two years ago, I was playing, I'd been with the Chicago Bandits playing professionally and I absolutely loved playing in Chicago and I was at home there I found a home there and a new franchise team came across, came up the scrapyard dogs out of Houston, um, the scrapyard. And they were, you know, obviously trying to build their program and they offered me a million dollars to come start and build their team and organization. Well, that shows a lot of respect. Um, not just that the scrapyards offered you that, that large of a contract, but for what Mm -hmm. you've done, uh, for the the sport itself, I mean, because you know, coming out of Illinois, we had a, a pretty good uh, softball player ourselves. But you have taken this game and has really elevated it to to something you know bigger than what it was even then. What's the difference? Uh, the difference between what you've done uh, playing in Japan and, and overseas uh, and playing here? How are the differences in the leagues for those that that may not know? 
Well, I think from the Japan League, I think the impact that I, I mean, I feel like obviously when you're able to throw the ball at a certain speed and you're a pitcher and you can, you know, communicate and like kind of be a voice for the a team like the scrapyard, it's an advantage. But you take it overseas and you can kind of like help create and build a community and also I think more so an atmosphere mm-hmm. and an energy around a team. Um, that those are things that, you know, you don't read about, you know, right. you know, you, everyone talks about, you know, Michael Jordan's dunks and stuff, but like, how has he, that energy and that vibe that he created, created within a city, right. Within the city of Chicago, like, how did he do that? The same with the Astros this year. Um, I think the scrapyard had that and Toyota has had that, um, as I've, as I've continued to play there. And I think that's kind of unmatched. Um, the Japan league plays for six months. Basically they play a spring season and a fall season. There's 12 teams in the league. The top four go to the finals, um, and play an Olympic style tournament. Um, so they play at the Olympic format every year in their finals. And then, um, and then the bottom, the bottom team to keep it keep it competitive. So if you come in twelfth place in the league, you get eliminated and you go down to the second division. Oh, and so that I'm assuming the winner of that second division then moves up. Exactly, okay. and then the second second to last place. So if you come in eleventh place and you just miss it in the bottom division, you come in second place. You have a, a best of three championship to to get moved into the top league. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Is the game different so, there? Um, well, the softball game is always the same, right? You you pitch, you hit, yeah. you steal, you run, you field, you throw, all those things. But as far as just like the way that they think about the game and the way they analyze the game, those things are different. Um, you know, J- Japanese people aren't as big as Americans, so Americans rely more on the power game. Japan definitely has the power um, these days, but they rely on like quickness as well. Um, they're very defensive based. They take a lot of pride in their defense. Um, and we're starting, what's kind of cool now is you're start, starting to see that influence over here in the States. I think with, um, you know, the university of Washington's defense this past year, which was really stellar. We saw that in the world series. Um, people like Ali Aguilar just showing off basically defensively, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the plays that she makes are incredible and you're starting to see that influence and that pride um, defensively because I think a lot of coaches are drawing from that. Uh, so the scrapyard dogs where you, where you signed that contract in 2016, um, that's a program. It's not necessarily just a team, you know, so you have a lot of younger girls in that program. They sponsor travel teams for them as well. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about the significance of that recognition and especially for that program and the girls that you you guys probably cross paths with on occasion. Yeah, exactly. I think um, there's a there's an organization there. They have some travel ball teams. They have a facility. Um, they do softball and baseball. So um, it's just like a whole top down kind of system there that they're they working on and been building and having the opportunity for those young girls to be able to you know see see 
the way that I'm working out because I could be out at practice and mm -hmm. then the travel ball organization could just be finishing. Mm -hmm. You know, their coaches could see me in and out of the complex on a daily basis. And um, so they see, they see that. And, you know, it's up close and personal. How many people are watching, you know, McCullers or Judge out there practicing on a daily basis they're not they're in this little bubble so there is that aspect that from a distance where they can see you know the day in and day out of a professional athlete and that level that they want to compete at so I think it creates this unique chemistry this unique vibe um, in those 16 year olds in those 14 year olds in those 12 year olds that are in the organization um, to be able to have have that image have that goal have that 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 person that they want to look up to, that person, that female athlete that they want to be like. Wow. That's actually great because coming up through sport the way I, I did, um, being here in the city of Chicago, I, I'd watched and I would mimic um, both college players as well as NBA players. But I never really had my first uh, mentor uh, from the professional side until later on. So do you have an opportunity to interact uh, with those younger um, players that are, that are there watching when they're finishing with their travel team? And if so, what would you, what do they, what, what do you give them as a nugget to one day be a, a Monica Abbott or, or, or have maybe the possible possibility of having a career like yours? Um, one thing that I have always told the younger kids is like consistency is just really huge consistency for them. Um, consistency in practice, consistency in their games, um, in their pitches. Um, but also, you know, obviously we don't, it is a game, right? Basketball's a game, mm -hmm. softball's a game, and we want to play, quote unquote, play the game. Right. Um, so have, have that fun, but also have that seriousness to it. Um, especially at a young age, because they need that. They need that excitement and joy in the game to continue playing. So, well, yeah. sp speaking of that, my most important question I have to ask comes from my daughter, Taylor, who <laughs> has met you uh, when you were with the Bandits. Um, she's mm -hmm. seen me take some swings against your teammates in the old Les Turner uh, ALS uh, charity games, which oh, yeah. I went and embarrassed myself entirely. But Thank you. Uh, she wants, <laughs> which by the way, I have a very rare picture of Monica Abbott swinging a bat. I don't think there's anything much more rare than that. So that was pretty solid. Thank you for not throwing against us in that game. But <laughs> so, but Taylor did want to ask, because we talked about the Olympics and she looks up to you. She's not a softball player, but she certainly knows who you are and she she's, looks up to you. But um, with the Olympics, I mean, you've got two years to prepare now. You talked a little bit about how you work with some of the girls now and, and prepare them. And, and my daughter wants to know, how does your prep change over the next two years with the Olympic? If it does, it may not, but what do you have to do to get ready for 2020? Well, I think that's kind of the unique thing. Like we obviously we're so focused and set on qualifying because of how important that was. Right. Um, so now all, only six teams get in, right? Exactly. And, only six and teams. one of them is automatically the host country. So you're, you're vying for five spots. So yeah, people so know we're, we're vying for five spots. So there's now two teams are qualified, the U.S. and Japan, and um, there's four other teams that can qualify. Um, so that was like our big goal this year. And just coming off of that, now, it, now it's the building phase, right? Now in, these next, in this next month, it's figuring out what the next step and phase is 
for each of us individually and as a team to be able to, you know, be where we want to be at the at the end of the Olympics in 2020, at the end of the softball uh, tournament there during the Olympics, where do we want to, st- where do we want to be, you know, and what level do I want to play at and working our way backwards and being like, Hey, this is what I need in January. This is what I need in December. This is what I need in 2019. Um, so taking all that into account and looking at the history of yourself as an athlete and what you need to be able to be there, you know, obviously athletically as a team, um, as an individual, um, you know, physically, mentally, all those things. Um, yeah. So over the next month, I'll be kind of coming up with that plan and schedule and figuring some of those, those questions out. That's, that's very interesting. I, I'd like to keep the next one there. For all of the, the mothers and others that we have listening, um, of course, you're a professional athlete, so what you do is a little bit different. But what's the outside of the technical part, the hit, the pat, the um, pitching, and, and so forth? What's a, a, a Monica Abbott like workout? Um, like, what do you mean? I mean, do, do you do you lift weights? Do you run? What what are some of the things that you do to stay <laughs> to stay in shape? I don't know. I just I figure maybe some people like myself who is not as in shape as I was <laughs> when I was playing. <laughs> would like to have an idea of what professional athletes are doing well today. yeah off the court i mean there's yeah. a lot of things that go yeah. in yeah i think i think um as an athlete as a professional athlete it almost becomes just as important what you do off the field right mm-hmm. as what you do on on the field or on the court um so there is like an aspect of your cardio and your weight training i do definitely lift weights i cross train I run, you know, I do a ton of intervals and um, also trying to like do the little things like the rehab stuff that is just more body maintenance to make sure your body can withstand, you know, a six month, a nine month season. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like you're training to play one game. You're training to play, you know, eight months out of the year, six months, you know, you're training for a 70 game season. So doing your rehab exercises, your shoulders, your joints, you know, taking care of those things um, are just as important as being able to, you know, deadlift 200 pounds. Right. <laughs> How hard is it to maintain all of that? Because people see the, 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 the leagues results. here domestically, mm-hmm. but they don't, you know, you mentioned you play two seasons overseas. I mean, this is a full-time job. This is not just a lot of your domestic teammates are, are just playing for the summer and then they go back to their regular jobs. Not for you. Right. Which I, to be honest, like I really wish they could play full-time, you know, and let it be a full-time job and career for them. But I think until the professional league can make a growth for like putting these girls in business full-time, with full-time salaries, you know, mm-hmm. six months out of the year, eight months out of the year, will that be able to change? Um, and that would change the aspect of the season, right? You go from a three-month season to a six-month season. Um, what will it take? So, what do you think it'll take to do that? Um, I think just financial support, obviously, from the player's side. They've right. got to make a salary. You know, they can't make – they can't make – they got to make a – a full-time salary. Yeah, but how, how, do we, how do we get there? How do we get there? 
one thing that they got to be able to do is have like the events in in teams throughout um, where like a, a player is work is maybe coaching a travel ball team or something mm-hmm. like that for like part of the year mm-hmm. um, where they're working within that organization or doing clinics or events throughout that throughout their off season while they train, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the UTSSA Pride has done a good job um, creating events and products for their players to work at um, when they're not <clears throat> when they're not in season. Um, I think that Scrapyard it has worked really hard to get there as well, um, but it's just. You know, it takes time to build those things. True. It takes time and it takes um, effort and money and a vision, mm-hmm. a vision that works. And Well, it, it sounds like you have an idea. It, it sounds like we're talking to our next commissioner <laughs> 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 or, or GM or something. I mean, no, I think those are great ideas. Um, I think I'm... I'm good with playing for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I understand exactly what you mean, you know, but Charles Barkley, you know, has his, one of his famous quotes, his father time is undefeated. So what's, <laughs> you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking ahead, do you, do you see yourself? I mean, and honestly, cause I thought those were some great ideas and, and I thought, and I know I was an athletic director for five years and, and I watched our softball team and how passionate those young ladies were for it. And, and my coach uh, at that time, she's been there for over 20 years and, and she would come in the office and sometimes she would complain. But that by the end of the season, she loved everything she did. And, and we're still friends to this day and she still does the exact same <laughs> thing. And I can hear in your voice, how you want this to to move forward and grow? Is that a possibility, or, or coaching, or, or something for the uh, for Monica Abbott afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll cross that bridge when we get there for sure. But um, you know, I I, I could see myself. I'm definitely going to be involved in the sport or in athletics in some shape or form, mm-hmm. um, whether that's you know working on the professional aspect, coaching, whether that's in TV or anything like that. I don't, I don't know what that means, Right. but you know, I'm at a good place right now. Now where playing is, um, I'm blessed enough to be able to play full time. And when I'm not playing, you know, I can have an off season. So I don't know. I hope that someday more athletes can do it full time. Monica, can you talk a little bit about your foundation too? Because you've talked a little bit about all the things that you're doing off the off the field. Yeah, um, sure. I so it's just more my passion project is I give out two scholarships to female athletes, multi sport keyword, multi sport like female athletes, and um, that show leadership within their sport and within their their school. Um, just want to celebrate the, the athlete that shows leadership, that has a voice within their team and within their school that isn't afraid to like um, say what they need to say and um, to make to make their programs better. So it's multi-sport athlete. It goes out, to, there's two awarded each year, one in which is the Tri-County area of where I live in, um, and then one uh, nationally. You can apply online uh, via my website 
And yeah, it's not like a full ride or anything, but it's something that helps, right? When you're in college and mm-hmm. everything's expensive. Right. Yeah. So what's the, what's the name the of your foundation? I'm sorry. Um, it's actually, it's, I don't actually have the foundation. It's a scholarship, the Monica Abbott scholarship, okay. and it's run through the community foundation, um, processes the, um, does the paperwork inside of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I kind of, Monica, I kind of want to shift gears real quick. I know we, we have a limited amount of time with you, but you were with Scrapyard Dogs. You were in Houston in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, during Hurricane Harvey. What was that like for you guys to be there? You know, and you're not from Houston. Obviously, you were spending the time there. You interact with a lot of fans, a lot of kids in that area. Uh, what was that time like? This is a real, real shift in the questions, but I've always been curious what it was like for you guys down there. Um, yeah, you know, it was the hurricane hit right as the season was ending. Um, so some people got out before the season ended, but it was like obviously coming back and seeing what was happening. I mean, it was almost inspiring just because of the way the city handled the situation Mm -hmm. and was able to, um, you know, all the people that came out and helped and participated and finding ways to um, come together as a community, obviously. And then we saw how the Astros were able to really bond everyone and um, things like that were really cool. But I think the community, the scrapyard hosted uh, some fundraisers for everyone as well. We donated to the JJ Watt fund um, as a group. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of things were shut down and closed and, but at sports plays a role in recovery for sure. Always. Yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. It really does. And not only being able to have those resources to bring people together and, take you know take donations and um get people to give more and help go out and help and bond and unite everyone like that was cool wow well i mean you've had a great career and 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 and, well still going and i'm sure there'll be more championships and and olympic medals to go along with it but this is I, i guess i always like to ask when did you know you know, when did you know that, okay, you know what, this is what I want to do. Because I was actually talking to my, 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 my youngest daughter plays volleyball. And the first time she played, she was, well, a couple of years ago, actually. And we put her out. She wanted to play. We put her in the Y League. She played. She was like, Dad, you know what? I love this. I'm going to Scott. I'm going to get a D1 scholarship and play. And she's like, and then I think I want to go and play professionally. Um and and then you know on top of that, when did you? When was your your moment that you knew? Um, it's a good question. You know, I think I kind of knew when I was in elementary school, like sixth grade. We did a school project, um, and it was 1996, and I think I was six. I was like 12 years old, and we did like what was called a state report and we had to pick a state and all of this stuff. And I didn't get the states that I wanted. I ended up with Georgia and obviously at that time it was Atlanta 1996 Olympics. And I ended up having to research all this stuff about the Olympics and them hosting it. And I was a softball player at the time and I just thought it was the coolest thing, this Olympic dream 
this, and that's where I think my Olympic dream started. And then softball became the means for me to play. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so what, how, what a full circle, 96 Olympics mm-hmm. to 2020 Olympics worked out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question. Does it ever get old going on MLB network and making those guys look stupid? Oh no. You know, like doing those like appearances <laughs> MLB or ESPN or, you know, stack sports, whatever your big time sporting companies are, Whenever you can get on there, it's so much fun to be a part of, and they do such a good job. Um, and they're so fun to be around. So any of those things like that, I mean, I just love to do. So, Any, any base baseball players absolutely refuse to get in the box against you? Um, not that I've had the experience of. Some people, yeah. they. I don't think they would admit that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for guys, I would. for sure, no. I would. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like they're in the locker room before those events, and there it's like a cup of straws, and it's like whoever draws the shortest straw ends up having to do it. <laughs> Well, it is, it's always fun to watch those, and it's fun to watch you pitch, Monica. We're so glad that you guys got that qualification out of the way. Now you guys can really focus on 2020 and getting ready, and, and obviously you've got a couple seasons between now and then as well. But um, it's truly, as somebody that's gone to Bandits games, I was just telling Dion that the last time we played that one of those charity games, when I walked up, you were doing a bullpen, and my son at the time was seven, and even he started to slowly walk up as we were going in the locker room which was right next to your bullpen in Chicago. And uh-huh. he started to watch and he had his jaw was dropped. Like even at seven years old, he could understand the the speed and the mm-hmm. movement and the violence of of the delivery and how the ball just explodes when it gets there. And it's really it's it's awesome to see and, and more people need to go see that because it's it's really, really cool to see any sport at its highest level. Yeah. Well thank you. I'm glad that you know, I was able to, he was able to see it and thanks for, you know, having me on and all of that. It's so good to be able to share, you know, part of the softball life and what we're trying to do and build and grow and be that face and that voice for that next generation, whether they're actually play softball or another sport or just a fan and yeah. Anything cool. we can do. Thanks, Monica. Listen, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, obviously. And um, you are an amazing ambassador for the game of softball and a role model for girls everywhere, for sure. We really enjoyed the time. Uh, as always, we got to thank Painless Podcasting, Chris Hartwig, the Painless Podcast Network. If you're someone in the sports world or aspire to work in it, get connected with Painless Networking on social media or at www.painless.network. You can look for The Fadeaway with Dion and Eric on our social media channels. Uh, next time, Dion, we're going to talk to Monica in person, and then uh, I'm going to make you step in the box against her, and uh, we'll <laughs> hey. let you get to get a look. I used to play baseball. I, I, I take that challenge. I'm an athlete, man. All right, we well, at least I used to be. We won't. No, you still are. Don't sell yourself short. We won't take any video, though. Oh, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right. For Dion Thomas, for Monica Abbott, and me, Eric Schmidt, we will meet you down low on the next fadeaway.